1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of historycentral.com, a multimedia website good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark is in Tel Aviv, and as you may know, there's well, I'm going to call them protests in Israel. We'll find out about that and so many other things that are going on around the world. Jim McTagg will also join us. He's the former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of many books. His latest is No Problem. It is March the 13th and on this day in 1881, Tsar Alexander II, the ruler of Russia since 1855, was killed on the streets of St. Petersburg by a bomb thrown by a member of the revolutionary People's Will group. The People's Will, organized in 1879, employed terrorism and assassination in their attempt to overthrow Russia's Tsarist autocracy. They murdered officials and made several attempts on the Tsar's life before finally getting to him and assassinating him. As Tsar, Alexander did much to liberalize and modernize Russia, including the abolishment of serfdom in 1861. However, when his authority was challenged, he turned repressive, and he vehemently opposed movements for political reform. Ironically, on the very day he was killed, he signed a proclamation, the so-called Loris Melikov Constitution, that would have created two legislative commissions made up of indirectly elected representatives. He was succeeded by his 36-year-old son, Alexander III, who rejected the Loris-Molokov Constitution. Alexander II's assassination was arrest, was assassinated. Uh, assassins were arrested and hanged, and the people's will was thoroughly suppressed. The peasant revolution advocated for the people's will who achieved by by Vladimir Lenin's Bolshevik revolutionaries in 1917. We were so fortunate that we had thoughtful people who were revolting against England and put together a a business plan, a political plan, a a constitution, before uh, actually forming the United States of America. The Russians were plagued by lots of uh, fuel of hate and anger and unfortunately ended up in in a complete mess leading to the Soviet Union. Well, the FGCU women's basketball team has proven time and again it knows what it takes to win when it matters most. They've been winning for so many years. Saturday's A-Sun uh, tournament championship game was no exception. Despite missing a key starter and facing one of the hottest teams in the, in the nation in Liberty, the Eagles delivered one of their best performances of the season, knocking off the Flames 84-60 to win their 10th A-Sun crown and lead the automatic berth into the next week's NCAA tournament. Because of the FGCU uh, finds itself in a familiar environment, the NCAA tournament, the Eagles will make their third consecutive ninth overall appearance in the uh, big dance after yet another big win. So congratulations to the Eagles uh, here at FGCU. <clears throat> Men didn't fare so well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Still have that red tide stuff going on. But uh, nevertheless, the uh, uh, NCAA uh, tournament should be really pretty fantastic. Lots of uh, sub-stories behind what's going to happen, even with the first seeds. Well, Silicon Valley Bank has been seized by financial regulators after a run-on deposits tipped the bank into collapse in the largest bank failure since the Great Recession in 2008, The bank was shuttered on Friday by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, which appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as a receiver. Uh, The bank, uh, based in Santa Clara, California, has been the 18th largest bank in the United States with assets over $212 billion as of September and primarily catered to tech startups and venture funds of Silicon Valley. The FDIC said insured deposits up to 250000 will be available by Monday. Well, <clears throat> that number has actually been increased. <clears throat> this is a promotion. Let's see. And then just uh, scrolling down, uh, it looks to, to me like uh, this is a promotional ad campaign from the last year of Silicon Valley that had shut down by FDIC in the aftermath of the account withdrawals. I'm sure SVP wishes it had the $5 billion today it drained down on green energy uh, in the rat hole. Here's, here's the uh, advertisement, which I'm sure appeared in the uh, newspaper. Silicon Valley Bank commits to $5 billion in sustainable finance and carbon-neutral operations to support a healthier planet. So, as President Trump said, anything that goes woke turns to crap he used a different word, but nevertheless, it's so true. I'm sure they wish they had that $5 billion back. Banking regulators renounced an emergency measure on Sunday to fully protect depositors at Silicon Valley Bank, a critical move to avert a panic over the bank's collapse. As, as we're speaking right now, I expected the uh, futures to be way down, but they're actually up a little bit. So looks like uh, panic averted. U.S. Treasury Department, the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation have revealed the plan in a joint statement. We are taking decisive actions to protect the U.S. economy by strengthening public confidence in our banking system, the statement read. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, after consulting with the president and regulators, had authorized the plan that fully protects all depositors. Currently, the maximum amount of protection provided by the FDIC, as we stated earlier, to one depositor is $250,000. However, under the new plan, all deposits, both insured and uninsured, will be protected. Makes you kind of scratch your head wondering why we have the FDIC in the first place. Anyhow, depositors have, have access to all of their money starting Monday, today. No losses associated with the resolution of the Silicon Bank will be borne by the taxpayer, according to this statement. Shareholders and certain unsecured debt holders will not be protected. Senior management has also been removed. Any losses to the Deposit Insurance Fund to support uninsured depositors will be recovered by a special assessment on banks as required by law, the statement said. Regulators also announced that a similar measure for New York-based Signature Bank, which, which was closed on Sunday by the state's chartering authority, all depositors of the institution will be made whole, the joint statement said. In addition, the Fed announced on Sunday that it would make extra funding available to eligible depository institutions to help ensure banks can satisfy the requirements of all their depositors. The Federal Reserve is prepared to address any liquidity pressures that may arise, the Fed statement said. As part of the effort to avert a banking crisis, the Central Bank announced its establishment of a new bank term funding program, a BTFP, Uh, targeted at protecting deposits at failed institutions. The Treasury Department will make uh, available all up to $25 billion in exchange for the Exchange Stabilization Fund as a backstop for BTFP, the uh, central bank announced. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has created uncertainty among tech advisors, investors and startups and have a large exposure to the bank. Founded in 18, 1983, the Santa Clara Bank-based bank was a top Silicon Valley lender. It was the 16th largest in the United States with $209 billion in assets as of the end of the year, according to the Fed. That's only second to Washington Mutual, which had $307 billion in total assets when it collapsed in 2008. The primary reason for the bank's for failure is pretty easy. It's according to the industry al- analysis. Uh, It was heavily invested customer deposits and treasury bonds, which are highly sensitive to interest rates. And since the collapse of the bank, there have been widespread contagion fears with some bankers, investors, and tech executives warning this could impact small and major banks, especially for institutions that are not well capitalized. I don't know about you, but we received a letter or email this morning uh, reassuring us from our bank that everything is going to be okay with our deposits and what's going on. Sure, something similar went to everybody around the United States. On Saturday, more than 3,000 CEOs and venture capitalists representing some 220,000 workers signed a petition, a petition to uh, appeal to Janet Yellen and other officials to backstop SVP's depositors. They warned that more than 100,000 jobs could be lost if no action is taken. However, critics argue that the taxpayer money should not be used to support the bailout. Among these critics is uh, Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy, a multimillionaire entrepreneur and author who recently joined the Republican presidential race. It makes my blood boil to see these foul, foul or foe free marketers in uh, Silicon Valley fear mongering all weekend to create the very risk of a bank run in America, at all that can, that can hold taxpayers hostage for a bailout of a bunch of tech startups who made the mistake of banking with this company. Don't fall for their trick, he said. Ramaswamy wrote the, on Twitter uh, yesterday, or I guess it was on uh, Sunday. <clears throat> yes, yesterday. <clears throat> By the way, this may talk about making your blood boil. Silicon bank employees received their annual bonuses Friday, just hours before regulators seized the failing bank. According to people who had knowledge of the payments, the payments were for work done in 2022. It doesn't matter. I mean, these, they all. This is a collusion in order. To, uh, all everybody contributed to this failure. Well, obviously, it's the fish rots from the top down. So, from the head down. So, uh, it was the leadership, but it was also those working at the company as well. On Friday, SVP CEO Greg Becker addressed workers in a two-minute video in which he said he had no longer made decisions at the 40-year-old uh, bank. But they also shut down, by the way, a Signature Bank, a big lender in crypto industry, in a bid to prevent spreading bank crisis. We're also announcing a similar systemic risk exception for Signature Bank New York New York, which was closed today by its chartering authority, said the Fed. And by the way, this is not unusual. There have been 562 banks' failures since 2000. I wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. Now, This one's, a, of course, an exception because it's a big one, 16th in the nation in terms of size. One way to measure the magnitude of a bank's failure is the amount of assets the bank held. By that measure, SVP's collapse is the second-largest bank failure of all time and the largest since 2008. Well, President Joe Biden spent the weekend tweeting about the American Rescue Plan, his $1.9 trillion spending plan that many economists blame for triggering the inflation that has led in part to the current banking crisis. Biden posted no fewer than 10 tweets about the American Rescue Plan, which uh, passed two years ago in March 2021. It was opposed by every single Republican Congress because it uh, spent vastly in excess of what had already been allocated to COVID relief and because it seemed likely to cause inflation, of course, which it did. Many economists and experts, including uh, former Obama administration advisor Stuart Ratner, uh, have noted that the inflation only took off during the passage of the American Rescue Plan Congress has just passed another round of a coronavirus relief weeks before Biden took office, and some of the money allocated to previous relief spending packages had not even yet been spent uh, when the American Rescue Plan became law. The inflation that ensued has caused the Federal Reserve Bank to raise interest rates, which in turn has caused the value of various assets, including bonds, to suffer. It's also created more uncertainty for businesses, especially in the tech sector, which has grown significantly during the pandemic. But the Biden plan appears to be a, uh, the repetition of a f- familiar plan of the Democrats passing massive spending packages shortly after winning presidential elections. Neither Biden nor the White House tweeted at all this weekend about the collapse of the Silicon Valley uh, Bank, which seems uh, f- seen fear throughout the economy. The Fed's government announced the federal government announced Sunday even, evening that it would protect depositors at the bank, hoping to avert a cascade of similar bank collapses throughout the country. Well, it looks like the uh, danger for that is quelled. That's a good thing. But right now, we're just waiting to see how markets respond. I think markets across the world uh, uh, have been happy have been affected by this. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, Conditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. I'm Bob Hardin, the host of The Bob Hardin Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is B's Diner, providing great service fabulous food at a rockin' good time. Lulabee's diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy their great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch, no Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239 252 4541. That's 252 4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, most health insurance plans don't cover international travel. You want to be able to travel with confidence and with coverage. You can find out more by visiting InternationalHealthPlans.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we have with us Mark Schulman. He, as I mentioned before the break, is the founder and president of, uh, and publisher of uh, 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 HistoryCentral.com. Uh, I hope you visit the website, by the way. Multimedia website, good for kids of all ages. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So as we normally do, we can talk about what's happening around the world. You're in Tel Aviv right now, and uh, a lot of the focus is what's happening with the, well, I'm going to put protests that are happening. I guess there's over 500,000 people involved in Israel. Maybe you can tell us about
2: it. Right, absolutely. This is the 10th week in a row. Uh, this week was the largest demonstration to half a million people, which probably represents 10% of the adult population of the country, came out. Uh, we've had everything from all the former chiefs of all the intelligence services to, to all the commanders of the Air Force in the past, and you name it. Everybody and anybody in the country who's done anything over the years has come out against this judicial, well, people call it judicial coup. Um, but the government's going right ahead. They're moving ahead, full speed ahead. They've making talking about, well, we could maybe compromise, but they absolutely refuse to slow down. The president... He first gave a speech two weeks ago and asked that the legislation be halted, and he laid out four main pro- main ideas for negotiations. He was ignored. Um, and then this two days, I guess it was Thursday night, he spoke again to the country. The president of this country doesn't usually speak to the country. It's so mostly a symbolic uh, job. Uh-huh. Um, and he spoke again on Thursday, saying that the legislation, as is, will be... Uh, will, will basically destroy democ- Israel's democracy and has to be stopped. And, you know, let's start again. Let's reach a consensus. Um, but so far, none of that's happening. And the demonstrations are getting not more violent, uh, but more more angry. And in the meantime, there's a new um, minister of
3: internal uh, affairs
2: over the police, and he's a very right-wing guy. He was not uh, happy with the fact that basically the police have been Cooperating with the demonstrators, and as they closed down highways, closed the main street, allowed them to demonstrate, didn't break any heads or anything else like that. And he arranged the firing of the um, of the head of the police in the Tel Aviv metropolitan area. Huh. Um, but that was an illegal because he's he's a minister over, he doesn't have the right to do such a thing. So it's creating quite a quite a, a mess to say the least. So uh, that would be the understatement.
1: Yeah. So how's this support in the Knesset for everything that's ha- with Netanyahu and uh, everything that's going on? Is uh, Well, he has his 64 <coughs> votes. I mean, you have to understand something.
2: The Israeli Knesset um, <coughs> is not in the same way as the U.S. Congress, for instance. No one gets elected directly. They're all part of a party list. Uh-huh. And the party lists are either, ch- either chosen by the heads of the parties. Uh, there is a couple of small a couple of parties There are primaries. But they're sort of closed primaries, so individual legislators don't have to ask. The only thing they have to answer to is the head of their party, and the head of their party wants this legislation. Uh, so there's almost no chance. There was some hope that a couple of the members of the could, the people who are, um, I mean, Likud used to be a very liberal party, right wing but liberal, um, in in the in the sense of a liberal democracy, um, and um, they are uh, with this at the moment uh so it's really hard to, to know where where we go from here at this point well I could say uh, this I can say this for constitution.
1: yeah if I could say this if this was happening in the United States well, this would be a constitutional crisis I have no doubt that there, there would be repercussions as a result of this but apparently it's not going to happen that way in Israel well there may be a
2: there may be a constitutional crisis because what's likely to happen is that the um, The uh, Knesset, the parliament, is going to pass a law that says uh, that they can override any action of the Supreme Court. Hmm. The Supreme Court is going to declare that law invalid because it violates the basic uh, organization of the Israeli government. And then uh, the Knesset will override the decision, and 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 the courts will say that it was illegal. You didn't have the right to do that. So we could be heading to a constitutional crisis there is talk at this point who the police who the army is going to listen to of ah. course or
1: or the government
2: so we're very close to a constitutional crisis at this point point. it hasn't happened yet but uh, we're awfully close the place no one ever thought anything would be
1: at this point that is so interesting mark so uh, do you see uh, when's the end point for all this when's the law when's the law going to be passed
2: they will stop being passed next week or the week after. I, I don't know what the end point is. If it gets passed, there won't be an end point. It'll, the demonstrations will continue. Look, Prime Minister Netanyahu could go down in history as the person who brought a constitution to the country. and He could make a, a, a deal that would end but that would most probably require him agreeing to step down. Remember the fact that he's in the midst of a corruption trial. Yeah. He was indicted in the trials in, in, in Amid, you know, it's taking place now. It takes a long time to go forth the trial, but it's a different story altogether. But he's in the middle of a trial under corruption. Um, the country would be more than happy to say, we don't care if you're being corrupted, Let's just step down and leave, and leave us, a, you know, leave
1: us the government in the
2: um, But he doesn't seem to want to do that at this point, And that's, that's the shame of all of this.
1: Absolute uh, that power. That would
2: solve everything instantly.
1: Yeah. Absolute power corrupts, huh?
2: Yep, have been too long in power. I mean, term limits, the decision of the United States after the fourth election of President Roosevelt uh, to limit to two terms was a very, you know, a very smart thing. I mean, Washington started the tradition. He understood way back when that two terms was enough for any American president. And I think it's very important to all over the world that until no one should be a leader of any country for more than eight, nine years. You, you identify the country with your own needs. doesn't make a difference. Even if you start off as a great guy, wonderful and everything else, you're in power for too long. It, it becomes, you know, my needs and the country's needs, or let's go to a mayor. My needs or the city's needs become the same thing. Yeah. So I think term limits is a really, really important thing. And certainly I, I'm less concerned on legislators, but I'm much more concerned about executives. Well,
1: I'm concerned about all of <laughs> them. And the other problem is that after a while, you begin to believe what you, anything that you think. So <laughs> you well, be- absolutely. There's no question.
2: Politicians have, have this habit. There are two things. I think politicians all over the world care. It doesn't make a difference in what country it is. A, they believe themselves without a shadow of a doubt. They're yep. so you know, believable that they believe whatever they say. Yep. And they also, I, I've seen this across the board all over the world, they also have the sense that it's coming to me. You know, the corruption that, they, that most politicians do, it's basically petty corruption. But, you know, sometimes there's really big use corruption. But it's usually petty corruptions because they say, look at this guy. He's making so much money in the private sector. and I'm only making, you know, a quarter of that. I deserve whatever yeah. it might be. Right. And, and we see that all over the world. No question that's about That's a it. great
1: paint. Oh, wow. I think that's what we're seeing with Biden, unfortunately, and uh, in the latter stages of all this, anyhow. You know, Mark, I'm beginning to see, it looks to me like there's new alliances being created around the world that are beginning to diminish the power and influence of the United States government. I'd love to talk to you about that. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement? AmeriPrize Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of AmeriPrize Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach,
0: back to the Bob Harton Show, and now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of Of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: And by the way, for our listeners' benefit, Mark is outside right now. He is at the TV studio to be uh, making comments about what's happened with the protest over 500,000 people in Israel, which is kind of amazing. But let's turn to this topic of uh, what I perceive and I'm concerned about is the alliances that are changing throughout the world. And I think my conclusion I'm concerned about the diminishing uh, uh, influence of the United States of America.
2: Well, absolutely, Rob. The decision by uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia to reestablish relations after all, for the many years of a break, nine years, and that agreement was brokered by the Chinese. It's clearly an example of that, mm-hmm. uh, the decision of the Saudis to uh, to engage with Iran is, is a blow to the United States' attempt at uh, trying to isolate Iran, um, especially as they're getting close to a nuclear weapon. Uh, the Saudis may have decided they rather, you know, they rather play nice to the country that has a nuclear weapon than as opposed to being on the wrong side of that. Uh, also, blow to Israel and its attempt to become establish relations with the Saudis. Yeah, Clearly, China is taking a, a greater role. Uh, we have to look at it on multiple levels. Look, on one level, American influence uh, started clearly going down uh, with the failure of the Iraq war and our decision basically to pull out of Iraq and a failure to, uh, you know, succeed in turning Iraq into a liberal democracy, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, of course, it, it gained additional strength, obviously, with the decision to withdraw from Afghanistan and then, of course, the withdrawal itself. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, uh, there's nothing um, more than a common enemy. So certainly American influence in Europe has grown tremendously in the, since the Ukraine war. Uh, the Europeans have uh, more than tripled their arms purchases in the United States. The United States is the major source of armaments for most of Europe, besides whatever they make themselves and a little bit they buy from Israel. So that has become stronger. Uh, the Asian countries that are afraid of China, and that being Philippines, Vietnam, obviously North, South Korea and Japan, and Australia of course have also become closer to the United States. I believe there's going to be an a, a announcement today of a between the United Kingdom, United States, and Australia. on building a new generation of submarines for the Australians to be accounted to the uh, to be accounted to the uh, Chinese. So you know you have to look at it from both sort of both ways. In other words. American influence is certainly limited in certain ways at this point
3: mm-hmm. but
2: when you have common enemies be, be they China or be they Russia at
1: this point it also gets strengthened so it's a, it's a mixed bag mm-hmm. very much so realigning around the world so uh let's move to uh, what's happening in China <clears throat> right so 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 China
2: is trying to emerge from its covid disaster um and um it's overhanging financially um we're seeing signs of their economy perking up on one hand. Um, on the other hand, there is concern about, you know, the world taking them on. I mean, the Chips Act by, um, by, the Cong- by the U.S. Congress and the president is having to have a major impact on Chinese production. And successfully limiting their ability to buy chip manufacturing equipment is also limiting them to a, an older generation of chips. Uh-huh. So they're struggling on one hand, and they're also struggling with labor shortages. So uh, we'll have to see. You know, again, I've, you know, I'm leaving aside the military aspect, which we don't know. You know, one of the biggest questions, of course, about Chinese, China is we assign the same superiority to the Chinese military as undergone a revolution. And just like the Russian military, quote unquote, had undergone a revolution. Well, we discovered when the battlefield hit, the Russian army was not very good and isn't very good, Period. Uh, we don't know half of the Chinese army. There are a lot of them. Yeah. We really don't know now. The Chinese, of course, are, have better technology than the Russians do, But we just don't know. So a lot of it may be a bluff. But but leaving aside the issue of the military side of it, um, look, I, I really believe that they, the wave that we thought would overcome the world of China economically and everything else is turning out to be a bit of a ripple. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we can stop assessing... We need to be concerned about them from a military standpoint. But I think we can stop really obsessing about them economically. You know, I think the United States has shown time and time again uh, that it's managed to come back and be competitive in every single arena of new technology, the new ways of, uh, of advancement. And um, I think we'll see that again in the United States, in, you know, in this, this round, too. But we'll see. I mean,
1: yeah, I hope you're right. Mark.
2: AI and all those things. I, Listen, you gotta be an optimist in life, right? To <laughs> some extent. Yes, you if you're do. You're a pessimist, and what's the point? I tell if, you, you what, you know, though, the, stay the, in the ch-
1: your room, get under the pillow, and that's it. Right? I mean, the Chinese seem to have perfected the the uh, the art of stealing our technology. The, the irony is, if we end up at war with China, uh, it'll be the only war that's ever been financed. Uh, both sides have been financed by one country, by the United States. So it's, it's right, but you know, te- you know, te- you know, technology
2: is great, but using it is always something else. Also, <clears throat> let's keep. That in mind, so for instance, we'll take an example of the aircraft carriers, right? The Chinese are building an aircraft, or built an aircraft carrier. Well, flying off of an aircraft carrier is not the simplest thing on earth. The United States has been has been working on that since 1920. Yeah. Since 1920, the United States has, uh, the, when they when they flew the first plane off of a, a ship, and the first aircraft carrier, the Langley, I think, was in 1928 or 29, and so. Uh, the United States has worked with this a long, long time, and it's an art. It's not just, you know, you can't just say, well, here's a manual, let's just do it. Um, so, you know, <laughs> technology is technology, but how you use it is often what, what counts.
1: Well, great points, and I certainly hope, uh, I, I'd love to share your optimism with about China. I, I don't currently, but I <laughs> I have an open mind.
2: Listen, I'm not guaranteeing that, that my optimism will come out true, and I think you have to always take the worst. If you're a planner, you have to think the worst-case scenario. Yeah, that's abso- obviously. Absolutely. But we're not planners. We, we have to live in the world, so we can be optimistic a little bit once in a while.
1: Good point, Mark. So uh, let's turn to Ukraine.
2: Okay, so Ukraine is this this slugfest over Bakhmut, which is an unimportant town in the Donbass region, but both sides have decided to make it important. The Ukrainians have basically seem to be using it as a way of uh, of churning up the Russians. In other words. Uh, killing as many Russians as they can as they try to take, take the town. And, um, I believe from what I understand just yesterday, they killed over a thousand Russian soldiers. Um, so the question is, you know, how long can the Russians keep sustaining this? It? it looks like they're, they're at their ends in terms of sustaining it. Whether they end up, uh, capturing the town in the end or not is an unknown.
0: Yeah. But,
2: um, and the fact of the matter is, they, look, they've been trying to capture this town now for nine months. Uh, think about that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he, it's, something, it's, it's equivalent to the uh, Virginia campaigns in the Civil War that just kept on going and going. Uh, but this is one town. Uh, so, um, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think the, the Ukrainians are preparing for their counteroffensive. It's not clear where it's going to come and when it's going to come. Uh, and, um, you know, they're trying to get as much uh, Western arms as possible. One thing that's quite clear come out of this whole conflict is the fact that nobody makes enough arms anymore. Yeah. And the United States is stretching its capabilities everywhere to produce and to once again become the arsenal of democracy. And that requires, you know, retooling factories, uh, getting factories that are working one shift to work three shifts, uh, all sorts of different things that haven't been done. The other problem in the United States that we discussed this a long time ago is the fact that there's only, you know, there the, are the two major defense manufacturers, this defense, contractors I and mean, there's smaller people who make who make shells and those sort of things but the two big contractors only you know it's uh, Lockheed martin and boeing yeah and that's not good no uh <clears throat> that's not good the defense department sort of allowed that to happen over the last 40 years the consolidation and you want to have multiple multiple sources because not only in terms of the ability to get from multiple places for innovation you know when, when there's a dual duopoly at work in any industry innovation begins to suffer clearly
1: well again uh uh, Eisenhower's comments were prescient, weren't they? <laughs> he certainly understood what was happening and he predicted this. So, which is very unfortunate. Before I let you go, Mark, uh, I, I found in the U.S. Sun, uh, Putin killing Russian elite to cling to power as 39 oligarchs and officials mysteriously have died. Any comments?
2: Yeah, I mean, not only do they die, <clears throat> the overwhelming of them are falling out of buildings. Yeah. I mean if I if I was in Russia or have I, I was in Russia like seven or eight years ago, I don't think I'd live the ground floor anywhere. It seems very dangerous to to go up up in a building there. But literally mysteriously all these people have fallen out the thirty fifth floor, the nineteenth floor of buildings. You know, yeah. I just uh yes, he's clearly killing them off. He's killing anybody who in any which way is an alternative source of power um that could threaten him in any which way. Look, he's an absolute dictator. Yeah. An evil man, and all the never, all the terrible things we can say about somebody, Putin is. It's just he's running a war of aggression against a neighboring country. So, I mean, you can't come up with any more terrible things to say about this man, frankly. No. So, that's just, if you just, hey, I wouldn't visit Russia in any case at this point, obviously. It would be very dangerous for Americans to do that. But, but if you do happen to be finding yourself in Russia, say,
1: yeah, you know, stay on the ground floor thing. Yeah, absolutely. People and can po-
2: uh, well, they can always poison you. They do that too. But
1: uh Well, so, Karma yep. being karma being what it is, I mean he was uh bred by the uh KGB, so clearly he retained those skills and uh, he's using them to his advantage to retain power. Absolutely. Again, Mark Schulman, the absolutely. founder and publisher of Historycentral.com. I hope you visit the website, multimedia website. It's terrific historycentral.com. Mark, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Have a great week, Bob, and all your listeners.
1: You as well, and be safe in Israel. Again, 500,000 protesters taken to the streets to uh, protest against uh, the government takeover of the judiciary in uh, Israel. Wow. Scary stuff. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network.
3: (laughs)
1: Times they're changing, and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber, formal affair marking e. one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart. Differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of Life Center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website, DignityMemorial.com. That's www.DignityMemorial.com. Back to
0: the Bob Hartman Show, and now here's your host, Bob Hartman.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to tell you about a great opportunity coming up. The Optima Foundation is presenting its inaugural Education Freedom Gala an evening with Greg Gutfeld. It's happening on Sunday, March the 26th at the Ritz-Carlton at Naples in Tiburon. <clears throat> Cocktail reception at 6 o'clock and dinner and program starts at 7. And also uh, Congressman Byron Donalds is going to be there. The president and CEO of uh, Optima Foundation is uh, Erica Donalds. She'll be there. Corey DeAngelis, De American Federation for Children. In any event, uh, Greg Gutfeld is a big supporter of school choice. And the Optima Foundation is all about creating funding and uh, uh, governance. And uh, it's just the resources in order to start charter schools. We've started about two a year in the last couple of years. And in all fairness and uh, full disclosure, I serve on the board of uh, the Optima Foundation pr- proudly. So uh, I hope you go to the uh, website, Optima.Foundation. Optima.Foundation. You can click on events and you'll find all the information about the event happening on Sunday, the March 26th at the Ritz-Carlton Naples in Tiburon. Well, a Parents Defending Education report revealed that 5,904 government schools in the United States maintain transgender or gender nonconforming policies that openly assert school staff can or should keep a child's preferred gender identity hidden from the parents. Can you believe that? 5,904 government schools. The Grassroots Parental Rights Organization has compiled a list of the school districts by state that have policies either allowing or encouraging personnel to keep students' gender identity issues hidden from parents. According to the report, to date, 168 school districts and 5,904 schools are embracing a transgender or gender non-conforming policy uh, that either permits or urges school staff not to inform parents of the child's preferred gender identity. If such as an issue arises in the school, the policies affect a total of three million, two hundred sixty-eight thousand, seven hundred fifty-two students in schools in 29 states. <clears throat> Here's my concern about this issue: <clears throat> We're finding out that more and more kids are finding they are uh, being confused about their gender. My personal opinion is that human behavior is uh, contagious, and when you see one kid raising his hand and say, you know, I'm a little confused about my gender, maybe another one does it, and then maybe it becomes a kind of a, a trend, or uh, you know how kids are. The point being is that uh, they're far too young to be making decisions about uh, such things as uh, gender identity and, and uh gender uh uh you know transition so to me uh, i realize that uh, we should love everybody we should include everybody in the tent and make sure that everybody's accepted and all that type of thing but the fact of the matter is there is grooming going on and there is intent that's uh, trying to discourage uh the control and the of, of the parents in terms of help allowing them to raise their kids the way they want to it's their kids it's not the schools it's not the government kids And so uh, this this is a big issue, and I'm uh, very concerned about it. Well, the critics have spoken, and Roseanne Barr is absolutely hilarious. The funniest show I've seen in years, said DKT Entertainment Editor Joe Barron. Roseanne is a breath of fresh air. Have you seen her one-hour special? It's on Fox Nation. It is just absolutely terrific. Uh, Fox, the network has signed a three-year, $40 million deal with uh, Roseanne Barr, to run a morning show opposite The View, Uh, and uh, after we saw the stand-up we were sold, it was the best thing anyone has done on stage in a long, long time. Well, first of all, it's great to see Justice done. She deserves it. She was absolutely uh, annihilated by uh, the networks, and I'm just glad to see that she's coming back. And if you haven't seen her special... It is really quite good and very, very funny. Uh, Roseanne Barr, shows could be coming up. I don't know when they're going to start it, but uh, nevertheless, I'm happy she landed on her feet. Well, the Red Cross is under fire for report, reportedly providing migrants with maps and guides to help them make the dangerous journey through Mexico to the U.S. border. Pockets stamped with the American Red Cross logo revealed by the Daily Caller News Foundation include the locations of hotels and clinics, routes to the American border cities, and tips on self-care and the use of contraceptives. I'm not kidding. The Red Cross is providing that. So you see these non-NGOs, non-government organizations who are playing in a, such an important part in this whole migration to the United States, illegal illegals coming to the United States. Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb said the packets prove how treacherous the uh, journey is. Um, beyond that, it also it, it reveals how these NGOs, like the Red Cross, are supporting uh, the whole effort. And finally, in this segment, the Biden administration is seeking to purge conservative service members from the armed services for refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine despite lifting of the military's mandate. said Indiana Republican Jim Banks. Uh, Members of the military who refused the COVID-19 vaccine prior to the elimination of the mandate are still eligible for firing on a case-by-case basis, uh, the uh, Pentagon told the armed services committee. A total of 69,000 troops did not receive the COVID-19 vaccine, and 53,000 sought a medical or religious accommodation under the Secretary of Defense personnel and readiness. Uh, Gilbert Cisneros wrote to the Armed Services Chairman. Of the 69,000 unvaccinated troops, 37,000 applied for a religious exemption from the military. Of those applicants, 19,000 were denied and 400 were approved. So uh, his theory of the case is this that the reason why they're just trying to get uh, conservatives out of the military, again, to create a a military that's more supportive of the uh, progressive agenda. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's how they operate. It's just incredible at uh, actually putting more Americas in harm as a result. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Bob Hartman Show, here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go.
0: to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They prepare newly elected officials to win in the legislature. And you can find out more. It's a terrific organization. I serve on the board proudly. The website is the FGA dot org. V-F-G-A.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief. He's now retired, but writing novels. His uh, three latest novels are murder mysteries, located in Washington D.C. Father, the leader at sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest, uh, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Oh, you're welcome, Bob. And I, w- I want to interject that the two two of the novels. Have uh, economic themes because I was a financial reporter for uh, most of my career. I was a banking reporter uh, in Texas at one time.
1: Wow! So, so uh, uh, I would love to get your thoughts on everything that's happened this this weekend, starting on Friday with the closing of the uh, bank in uh, Santa
3: Clara, California. What What are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, it uh, it takes me back to the nineteen eighties and the savings and loan crisis when we saw the same mismatch you know the banks were um, taking in short-term deposits and making long-term loans which is a recipe in banking for disaster uh-huh. because because if depositors want to take their money out it's very hard to liquidate the uh, long-term loans and at the same time the fed was fighting inflation and interest rates were super high i mean i think uh, in 1983 when the snl crash started mortgage rates were 16 percent close to 17 percent they had been as high as uh, 18 percent the prior two years so so here we are again we've learned nothing (laughs) Uh, all the regulatory structure that we put in place I I mean we have so many bank regulators it's uh, um, it it just boggles your your uh, common sense
1: yeah
3: and (laughs) <laughs> they don't do the job and and the irony uh, with the collapse of the uh, uh Silicon Valley Bank which which started this mess is it was regulated by the Federal Reserve and so the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates it's eroding the assets in this bank in all banks in fact and its own regulators are blind to that so yeah. so the uh, so well, this is this, is this
1: is what this is just what concerns me. I mean, when interest rates go up, the value of interest-bearing instruments go down. I mean, that's what happens, even with the best securities like the United States Treasuries. So the fact of the matter is that there's a, any kind of a demand on capital, and people have a right to take money out of the bank. Then it, they're going to end up selling these instruments at a loss. And that's exactly, it's not more comp. Now, they did invest $5 billion into kind of green energy nonsense, and uh, they're a woke corporation, no question about that. And did you hear they actually paid bonuses a couple hours before the FDIC took over the bank? That's just incredible. It's the outright thievery.
3: Well, and the funny thing is the president is going on television this morning to take credit for this bailout yeah. of, of the banking sector, um, you know, he, he wants to be, the White House wants to depict him as riding to the rescue of the economy, because the economy is the central plank in his re-election campaign. If you go to the White House website in the briefing room, you know, uh, the top two or three items boast about Biden's job creation and the strong economy. And here, you know, this this bank failure shows you that, I mean, it's just not the banking sector that was susceptible to panic because of the Fed's rate increases. It's the entire economy that, that was in danger of collapsing. That's why the federal government, in essence, is just opening up the Treasury window yeah. to all these financial institutions. So um and we're not out of the woods yet because mm-hmm. the Fed wants to get inflation down to two percent. So that means that the Fed at a minimum eventually has to raise rates to six percent. Yeah I think it would be as high as seven percent. Uh which means you know, borrowing and mortgages would be extremely more expensive than they are now. I think ten percent the mortgages on your house. So it's it, it's Biden, is in deep trouble. And I, and I am going to predict here that J-PAL is in deep trouble, because not only has the public lost confidence in the banking system, it's lost confidence in the Federal Reserve. And Biden sees this, and he's going to push J-PAL out. And we're going to see an era of um, political interference in the Fed like we've never seen
1: before that is so interesting jim you know to me the, the fed's got a real conundrum they they you know they have inflation to deal with and also recession you can deal with one you can deal with the other but you can't deal with both at the same time and so if you push one lever it's kind of like whack a mole the other mole appears and you got to whack that one too there's no you know, there, there's no solution
3: well, I, well as you know too uh, the fed can't do it alone uh... biden's fiscal policy is fueling inflation so that fiscal policy which is uh, in opposition to what the fed is trying to do slow down the economy makes the feds job all that harder and it prolongs this battle against inflation by years not months or weeks but by years yeah. and so for biden to take credit for saving the economy is laughable, and it, it, it just shows you that his political future, uh, actuarial tables aside, is in deep trouble right now, and, and he knows it.
1: He has no shame. <laughs> he will say or do anything. What's his total motivation? Is it to help the American people? Is it to save the economy? It's all politics.
3: Oh, it is. It's to uh, keep his son out of jail and, by uh, extension, uh, maybe keep himself out of jail. You know, you do that by staying in office. It's to line his pockets, and it's to help his friends in Silicon Valley. I mean, Silicon Valley is a uh, Democratic hotbed, you know, and and, uh, there's a lot of Silicon Valley money in the campaign. And the other thing we don't know is how many other people out there in Silicon Valley in California would have been financially crippled if these uh, banks continued to fall like dominoes.
1: Those are great points. Jim McTagg. again, a former Barron's Washington jury chief. His latest book, No Problem. Check it out. It's a great read. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we've got Kathleen Pasadomo, the president of the Florida Senate, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen, Seton Motley, the founder and president of less government. My wife, Linda, will also join us for a segment as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.